Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is an objective truth called your Gospel, your Word, and you have brought your church into that truth, the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection, our sharing with him through the Holy Spirit and his reigning as King. And as we said in our creed, we believe in the age to come. Father, open up to us the whole counsel of your gospel this morning. Have mercy on our hearing. Forgive us, Father, when we shield ourselves against our heart being changed. And come and deal with the attitude of our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this would be regarded as one of the hardest parables or hardest teachings to understand in the New Testament. So I firstly just want to say this. You can never get a parable of Jesus and ever interpret it outside his death, resurrection, ascension, reigning and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and of the age to come. You can never do that. We were recently at a uh, play held by an organisation, a church organisation and they took the theme of the gift of talents and in the play, they made the play about salvation by service. If you used your talents, you got into the kingdom of God. If you wasted your talents, you didn't get into the kingdom of God. A Christian church proclaiming heresy. Salvation by works. Soon as you take a parable of Jesus outside of the grace of the kingdom, you can't understand a thing. I'm not going to do that today, God willing. But at the heart of this parable, Jesus is saying the new life we have in him, present tense, should be of the same generous nature as the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Who feels guilty now? See, Jesus is talking about our generosity being and coming from him. Now, I need to explain that later on and I will because we are in a broken world. But that generosity that Jesus is talking about is actually about relationships and friendships that will last into the age to come. Just think about some of your friendships now that you have through Jesus Christ. Do you know that what you are doing with your friendships now is actually significant to the building of God's kingdom and to what will be visible in the age to come? Now, if you don't think that way, you won't actually care too much about your friendships here, will you? But if you know the preciousness of your friendships here have something to do with what will be there forever, you might just have a little bit more urgency to actually stop digging so many ditches in this world. Maybe a little bit more urgency, not much, because the shovel will be still pretty big for this world. I have, some, I have some friends here that I honestly just am so indebted to for our friendship. Extraordinary friendships. And 
They're actually eternal. Now, if you're like me, you think about your possessions as being yours. You think about your bank account, don't you? And you say things like this, look how much money we have in the bank. True? Do you ever say, oh God, look how much money you've given me. Do you ever say, thank you God, this is your home. Thank you that I am yours. How did you earn your money to buy your house? Who gave you the energy, the strength, the body and the air to breathe? Why are you alive? Everything comes from him, yet if you're like me, you don't think that way. You have an unusual way of calculating and managing and stewarding your possessions and you say, this is for me and this little bit over here is yours, Lord. Let me give you an example. Israel were only asked to give how much to the Lord? 10%. God gave them the 100%. He asked for 10%. That, is that a good deal? I'll give you 100, you give me back 10. And do you know they couldn't do that? They had trouble giving back God his 10% out of his 100. They had trouble with it. And thank God we are so different to Israel. I mean, I, I just, we should just thank God that we're not like Israel. We don't have those hard issues in the church. We would never do that. We would never rob God. Well, brothers and sisters, what we do here is very significant to the age to come. And if I can turn this thing on, I want to give you one example. This is a parable of the miner or the talents. The the first came before him saying, Lord, your miner has made me ten miners more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in how much? In a very little, that word very little is the word pebble. Do you say in your Christian life, oh, I've got so much to do. God says, I'm only giving you a little bit, a little bit, a pebble to manage. And then he says, I will give you authority over ten cities. Now, Ten cities here or ten cities in the world to come? None of us are ruling cans, are we? But maybe in the age to come, some of us might have cans, some of us might even have Port Douglas. We might have all of that real estate because the Lord is saying, what you do here in my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, will actually be evident in the age to come. Now, I want Cairns and I want Port Douglas, by the way. Because can you imagine, can you imagine swimming without the crocodiles? Wow. So let's get into this parable. And I'm going to read it and then I'm going to put on the screen a little bit of the parable to help us understand it. Stay with me here because this is quite tricky. There was a rich man who had a, a manager and the word there is steward. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his boss's possessions. He called him in and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, 
for you can no longer be my manager. He's getting sacked. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm too ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from my job, people, people may receive me into their houses. This man is saying, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my possessions. What is the most important thing for me? People. Jesus is saying that the world understands how to manipulate wrong relationships, how to use money and things in a sinful way to actually make friends because the world knows that you can't live without relationships and without people. Can you believe this? Can you believe that this man actually knows that the most important thing for him is going to be people? So recently, some of you may not know Rita Bitsmanis from the 8 o'clock service, but she's hurt her shoulder and she's in her 70s. She has a walking chair and when you get around to some of the elderly, you see how vulnerable they are and you actually see how much they rely upon people. Anyhow, her family's been away. She's in this little home all by herself. And I said, how are you getting along with food? How are you getting along with things? She says, well, I've got some friends who are my neighbours who are bringing me lunch and dinner every day. Imagine that. What, what is the most important thing for her in that crisis? Is it having a huge house? Is it having a huge bank account? Or is it relationships that actually matter? Do you know you can be rich and people can hate you and you can be a miserable soot like Clive Palmer? I mean, who would want to be his friend? Or Donald Trump's? I hope he doesn't listen because he'd probably sue us, both of them, make more money. Jesus is highlighting that this man knows that when his material wealth fails, relationships with people are the only thing that matter. And what Jesus is about to say with us is that when we die and we're all like beached whales about to die, the only thing that matters will be eternal friendships in the age to come. The only thing that matters when you die, Jesus is saying, is the relationships that you have built in Jesus Christ here. Have you ever thought of that before? Because I really haven't thought about it as much as until I came to this text. So he goes to his master's debtors and he brings a reduced price and more than likely he cut off his own wage. And he was probably charging more anyhow. But in the end, the one that looks good is his boss. And the other one that looks really good is who? Him. The man has made friends. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, not for his integrity, nor for his honesty. 
Jesus says the sons of this world are actually better at making friends through their wealth wrongly than the Christian church is in using its possessions, its time and its relationships to build everlasting an everlasting kingdom. The definition of sin is actually selfishness. Jesus says this, I tell you, make friends. If Jesus tells you to make friends, what should you do? Hear this, Jesus says make friends. Look at the last part. So that when your worldly wealth fails, which it will, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Now, I'm not talking about salvation by works. We already have eternal life. What Jesus is saying this is, your worldly wealth isn't yours. Whose is it? God's. Even the kids down here know that. Take God's worldly wealth, invest you and your wealth into friendships that are going to last forever. Take your home, which is God's home, and make it a place of hospitality. Just as I did in my son, when I opened up him on the cross and slayed him with my wrath with your sin and built a place for you in him whereby you now dwell in a mansion with me in heaven in Christ. Show that kind of hospitality and that kind of generosity. Jesus is saying there is an eternal home for you in heaven. You are secure. The Father has already given you the kingdom. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everything you have is from Him. Go and build rich friendships. Now think of the cross-cultural team just for a moment and I'm not labouring how good they are because I'm a part of it. But they are building relationships with the children in the neighbourhood, friendships. What if one of those children comes to Christ? Say one of those children comes to Christ through Mike. Mike's going to have a friend forever, isn't he? You touch someone through Christ you're going to have a friend forever. Go and invest all you have, brothers and sisters, Jesus is saying, is into friendships and relationships that will, will last. Now, in the Australian, a guy called Paul Kelly is quoting a part of our old treasurer, our former treasurer, Peter Costello, on economics in our country. It's a very insightful quote. Let me just read it to you. He's talking about Australian culture. We live in an information-soaked world riddled with thinking of confusion and growing social disorder. That's Australia and it's growing. 
the centre cannot hold. He's saying there is no centre, there is no concrete foundation in Australia. There's nothing of any substance. How can a man of the world say that? And you might say, I have a block of land here and I have a block of land there and I have my house and my car there. That's not a foundation. That's going to die. We seem desperate as Australians to cling on to the existing material benefits, fearful they are eroding. But we're clueless about what to do. How can a, how can a worldly person talk about it that way? Where does that leave us? Where is our centre and where is our future? In John 14, Jesus said, Let your hearts not be troubled. Therefore, let them not be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it would not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again in the Holy Spirit and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Where are you? Where's your home? Your home is situated in Christ, the eternal home, and if you were to die, you would go into paradise, into an eternal mansion in the Father's presence in Christ, that's what would happen, but you have it now. You are unable to see it and you're battling with me everything else that tells you that it's not true. The Holy Spirit through faith in Christ brings us into a place of relationship with the Father where we start to become secure in his presence. Have you ever noticed that when the gospel comes to you, you'll actually start to become secure? And you're not as afraid of people getting to know you. You're actually able to relate just that little bit more. Has anybody ever experienced transformation in the gospel? So you're not as afraid of friendships as you once were, even though you may have been hurt or you may have been abused or you may have had somebody steal from you. The point is this, even though we didn't read the Timothy reading, there is one God and one mediator, the man Jesus Christ. Standing between me and you is Jesus Christ. How do you have access to God the Father? Through Jesus Christ. How do you have access to me? Can there, be, can there be relationships of trust if Jesus Christ stands between me and you? And if Jesus Christ stands between me and you and we're accepted by the Father and all of our sins are forgiven, it means that you can actually say stupid things accidentally in relationships, which you do, and you can go home knowing that you haven't ruined that friendship. Because the friendship is built not on how good your conversation is or how well you're performing. Your relationship 
and your friendship is built on the friend of sinners. On the perfect friend. In him, therefore, our friendships actually are encircled and enveloped by Jesus Christ. And you will, by the end of today, go home and I'm sure you will feel the flawedness of your relationships with one another when we fellowship. That is to throw us on Christ and not on each other because if our relationships were just perfect in this age, we wouldn't need Christ. I want you to pause for a moment and think about this. Where do you most feel at home? Who makes you feel at home more than anybody else? Is it your father? You're all looking at me like it is and I hope it is. Does God the Father make you feel at home with him? Where do you feel second at home? Where do you, after being in the Father's palace, where's the second place that you feel most at home? Is it with your Christian brothers and sisters? It's happening now. What will be then is happening now. We get the foretaste. Our friendships are still flawed. Some of us are still shy. Some of us are still dominant. Some of us still struggle with greed and selfishness. True? Christ is your centre and he is your future. And what Jesus is saying is, I only want you to be faithful over a very little. And you need to understand faithful. Faithful is to be full of Who said that? Cameron down here. How old are you, Cameron? 11 years old and he understands that to be faithful is to be full of faith. Don't tell me the Holy Spirit isn't working in our young ones. Jesus is saying, steward your conscience in the full assurance of faith with a heart sprinkled from the guilt of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ, as you steward your conscience in the full assurance of faith, God has all of you. He has your heart. He has all of you. Full of faith is to be faithful over the little. And the little that Jesus is asking you to do is to have the full assurance of faith of what the Father has brought you into in Christ. And honestly, the rest just starts to take care of itself. So, go and make friends that will last forever. And do it on Christ, otherwise it won't survive the age to come. It will be burned up. If you try to do it any other way but on Christ, it will not survive. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.